Buongiorno and welcome to the Global Podcast, where we keep you up to date on the latest trends and insights on diplomacy in international development. I'm your host, Jesu Antonio Baez, Director of Pax Tecum Global Consultancy, based here in London, which produces this series. In this podcast, I sit down with thought leaders, diplomats, and experts on the field, as well as provide analysis from our own team at Pax to talk more about the need for diplomacy in international development in order to foster political will around greater social impact and good. So grab your headphones and let's get on with the show. On today's episode of the Global Podcast, we're going to look into the ongoing conflict that is now ensuing in Ethiopia, following the election efforts taking place in the northern Ethiopian region of Tigray and the militaristic response of Nobel Peace Prize laureate and current Prime Minister of Ethiopia, Abiy Ahmed. With reports of violence, information suppression, and masses of refugees coming from Tigray crossing into the Sudanese border, as well as a slew of fake information being disseminated around the scale of military interventions, understanding this unfolding crisis is both muddled and hard. We're going to dive deep into understanding the humanitarian crisis that is unfolding and understanding the diplomatic and developmental repercussions that this will not only have for Ethiopia, but for the African horn at large. Joining us to discuss more is William Davidson, who is the Senior Ethiopia Analyst at International Crisis Group. He was previously Bloomberg's Ethiopia correspondent from 2010 until 2017, and has also been published in The Guardian, Foreign Policy, Al Jazeera, Christian Science Monitor, and other international media. He is also the editor of Ethiopia Insight, so no better person to properly get the insight we need to understand this situation further. So, William, welcome to the Global Podcast. Thank you very much. Well, let's first really go back to the basics uh, in regards to understanding what is going on, because it is constantly changing uh, as the days progress. Uh, Let's first understand for our audience what is happening in Ethiopia that has sparked this crisis in in a nutshell for us to be able to comprehend the current situation. Well, there's no sort of really particularly short answer to that. Um, But in terms of the the conflict that's ongoing in in Tigray, the you know the sort of immediate trigger for that um, was a sort of takeover of a section of the military um, by uh, the Tigray regional government. Um, but the reason that Tigray's government took that action um, is because they had got themselves onto a collision course with the federal government, um, and that was after the federal government um, extend, extended all regional government terms and the federal government terms this year. And that was because they um, delayed an election. They delayed the election due to um, due to COVID-19. Now, when the federal government went ahead and took this measure, they did it in quite a unilateral fashion. There was quite a lot of political outcry over that, um, referring to the extension of the government terms. And the Tigray government's response was by far the most defiant. Um, they said that they did not accept um, the federal reasoning. It was a process of constitutional interpretation. Uh, they said that it was unconstitutional for any government term in Ethiopia 
to be extended beyond their original term limits. And therefore, they said, we will go ahead and run a regional election anyway. The federal response to this was that a regional government um, had no constitutional right um, to administer, to run its own election, um, and that therefore the regional government that was duly elected in Tigray um, after the September 9th poll, they said that that was unlawful and unconstitutional. Um, so this really set the parties um, on this collision course that I described, um, especially as Tigray government position was that when the federal government original um, term limit expired, um, and they said that was on October the 5th, they said that they did not accept the federal um, uh, federal government as a legitimate authority and that they would not abide by any federal regulations and directives. The federal government tried to restructure the military based in Tigray, a huge part of this situation. Tigray's government refused that. So this really was what set the parties on a collision course. Um, and, and the final piece of this, if we look ahead, um, the next year the federal government was wanting to run this delayed election um, by June. Um, and they were faced with the prospect of not being able to run the election in one of Ethiopia's 10 um, federal states um, because that uh, the government of, of that federal state has said that they do not accept federal authority. Um, so this is why we got into such a, um, ultimately a pretty catastrophic situation. There is, of course, a much broader and, and deeper um, background of political disputes uh, to the situation as well. Absolutely. And as you've indicated, apart from the background, but you've hinted at the fact that Ethiopia really does have a history in regards to this, um, uh, to, to to conflict when it comes to, well, not necessarily conflict, but actually voices of the other regions wanting to also have, you know, their fair share in power as well, too, and also have their equal share of representation. Of course, there is a history of the Amhara uh, domination within the country, as one would indicate throughout the history. And of course, the election of Abi Ahmed as an Oromo becoming president was was symbolic but now it's starting to look like it's just purely that that is just symbolic and and that leads me to my next question regarding uh, the the threat of Ethiopian unity now of course uh, COVID seems to be a valid reason in regards to to why to to wait for an election but then again as one also says uh, that democracy should still continue irrespective of the times so 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 one is wondering does this threaten Ethiopian unity in regards to the response of Tigray and is it harking other regions to say we'll hold up a second we we want something else going on as well or maybe there's two different ways to, to look at this and look at this question um, this conflict in Tigray is by far the clearest indication yet that the idea of a rapid peaceful transition to multi-party democracy um, and you know, maybe some other sort of trappings of, of orthodox liberal democracy that was promised and hoped for under Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed. Well, that, that hasn't happened. Um, so we have what was always a very tricky political transition that's in a great deal of trouble. And what I mean by that transition is that when Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed came to power, um, it was the result of, yes, anti-government protests, particularly from Oromia, um, and Amhara to a certain extent. But there was also a great deal of discontent within the sort of ruling establishment and within a ruling coalition itself. That was the ruling coalition that Tigray's ruling party, which is now um, in conflict with the federal government. It was instrumental 
in it was generally seen as the driving force of the ruling coalition that had been in power um, since, since 1991, effectively. Part of the protest and, and, and the, the change that came was this power struggle within the ruling coalition led to considerable friction um, as essentially the ruling parties from Amhara and Oromia um, said that the time of Tigrayan or TPLF predominant um, in Ethiopia's federal system was over as they were the two most populous groups. Now, what I'm getting at here is that that ruling coalition um, had been by far the most dominant political force and a force throughout the government structure, the security structures, and the broader society, by far the most dominant force in terms of at least kind of holding Ethiopia um, together. I'm not saying it would necessarily fall apart without it, but it had just been a huge cohesive force. It had done that in a fairly authoritarian fashion. Um, you know, essentially, there was not much you know, light and shade between the different regions, between the different regional ruling parties. Um, it was all very kind of centralized decision making, ultimately. And there was always a very strong security um, component. Um, so it was a pretty coercive um, force. But it was that ruling coalition that in many ways held the party together. So with this transition, one of the big challenges we're looking at is how do you move from that system where you have this on paper, very decentralized federation with all sorts of rights to autonomy and trappings of autonomy for regional states, um, their own constitutions, uh, therefore their right to devise you know, enact policy, their own security apparatuses, um, their own legislatures, all these trappings of autonomy and with their sort of ethno-linguistic identity that states had, then the ruling coalition that had bound things together is in a lot of trouble because of this power struggle and because of the opposition to it. Now what we see is that the fallout um, from that process of transition um, has got incredibly violent. And one of the main former components, Tigray and Tigray's ruling party, um, is at war with the federal the federal government. But you can see that this is a very serious threat to Ethiopia's stability uh, because there has not been a you know, comparably strong cohesive political force that has emerged since the ruling coalition began to get so fractured and then ultimately you know, fragmented um, or was, was turned into a new party in 2019. So I think that's the major, um, one, one major threat. And then the other way to look at this is that should this federal campaign uh, to remove the TPLF, uh, the leadership in Tigray, should that become protracted, um, either because of conventional uh, resistance to the federal intervention or due perhaps to um, the rerunning of an insurgency in Tigray um, to fight for its autonomy, um, as, as we have seen in the past? Um, or should we just simply see very concerted opposition to any imposed transitional government, well, that could be something which saps the resources of the federal government, um, makes the intervention look like a major miscalculation, um, and embolden other opponents of the federal government, particularly those who share the sort of ethno-nationalist philosophy um, of the TPLF. That could also be a dynamic, particularly if it grows in Oromia, the most populous region and a hotbed 
of ethno-nationalism, this really, again, could be a significant threat um, to Ethiopia's overall stability. Precisely, a, a threat to its overall stability, at least in regards to its concept as a federation. But in addition, in regards to stability overall, in regards to, to peace and life being, I mean, we're getting various reports in regards to the current situation taking place from a humanitarian level from the ground, but the but the information is quite patchy um, in that retrospect. What is the actual situation on the ground? Of course, it's a dissemination of also fake news where they're saying that there's military intervention on one end, but we find that it's docked and altered and actually stems from Ukraine. Uh, so what is the actual situation on the ground in a nutshell? Because uh, clearly there are masses of uh, refugees coming into the Sudanese border. So, uh, so there is clearly a conflict happening, taking place, but one is unsure in regards to what the scale is. What is it actually on the ground? Um, as you and most of your readers know, um, reliable information has been hard to come by. Um, I think it often is in war. Uh, we've also had a telecommunication blackout and limited reporting, therefore, from the ground. So I'm going to deal in quite broad brushstrokes here. Um, first of all, the refugee flows into Sudan. That is on Tigray's western border. Um, and this relates to the fact that the federal military intervention was initially the ground um, intervention, was focused on West Tigray. So the federal forces came in there on the 4th of November after this Tigrayan takeover of sections of the federal military um, that was stationed in Tigray. So they came in through West Tigray and there was some resistance, um, but perhaps not a great deal. And instead that area was controlled by the federal forces. And those federal forces were accompanied by both regular and irregular forces from Amhara region, which borders Tigray to the south. Now, the significance of this is that some Amhara faction, they claim that these areas of West Tigray that they've moved into with the federal forces, they claim that they were actually annexed by the TPLF when the federation was created. So we now have the circumstance um, reports are indicating that there has been a great deal of uh, atrocities, bombardment um, of towns in this area. And all of those refugees that have fled to Sudan, the vast majority of them are Tigrayan. Um, and they have they have fled both the federal intervention and also the what what is for the moment a sort of de facto Amhara occupation of these areas that they claim were historically Amhara territory. So that's the West. The federal uh, military has then moved from the West and also from the North um, after using Eritrea's territory. And they have moved towards the east and towards uh, Mekele, the regional capital. What exactly has been going on there is, is a little bit hard to tell. We can see that territorial gains have been made, rural areas and major cities such as Aksum and, and Shire. But what is not clear is the Tigrayan strategy. It does seem very likely that rather than trying to fight on every patch of Tigray, uh, territory. Instead, they have tried to limit that um, to a sort of what they consider a stronghold, a mostly, uh, you know, much more mountainous stronghold where they are comfortable with the terrain and, and they can um, use that to their advantage. And they also seem to have decided so far not to mount um, a very stiff resistance in every urban area, perhaps because that's not to its advantage and also perhaps to avoid civilian casualties. 
So now we have the federal military, which is moving towards the regional capital, Mekele. Um, but it seems that there hasn't been that much engagement so far with the Tigrayan forces. Therefore, it looks like the heaviest fighting is ongoing now, and that will intensify, um, especially if there is a federal, a concerted federal effort um, to take control of the regional capital, Mekele. Because we assume, or I assume, that the TPLF will not want to give up that urban stronghold, because then they would turn from a, a dissident regional government into a, a rebel force, you know, without the, the trappings of a, um, of, of a regional administration. There has also been a major incursion from the south um, through what's called North Wallow area in eastern Amhara um, into what's known as the Raya area. Amhara elements also have designs on that area. They say that's also historic Amhara land that was taken by the Tigray. Um, taken by the TPLF. And we understand there's been quite stiff uh, Tigrayan resistance to kind of forestall um, that southern incursion. The other major element of the conflict has been um, aerial, and that's in terms of bombardment of military and infrastructure um, by federal jets um, of, of Tigrayan targets, and then also retaliatory missile strikes. Um, by the, 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 the Tigrayans, and this is partly because they took control of, of some of the federal military um, weaponry, and they have been aimed at um, two Amhara cities where federal jets have been flying from, I believe, um, Bahedar uh, and Gonda, and they also directed a missile at the Eritrean capital, Asmara, because they say that the Ethiopian federal intervention has been cooked up um, with the Eritrean president, Isaias, who the TPLF have a long history of enmity with, and they say that Eritrean troops are actively engaged in the fighting. Um, so that's pretty much the current situation. The federal government uh, described this as a quick operation. Um, therefore, they are trying to win this quickly. Um, but there is a lot of concern that um, whilst the Tigrayans do not look like they can maintain a conventional war for long because of the cut to their supply lines, um, but they do seem to have the, a decent amount of firepower and the ability to resist um, a commitment to fight support from their people um, and the ability to mount an insurgency. So that's why there are concerns that despite uh, obvious federal advantages, that this could be quite a protracted period of conflict and a, and a potentially a devastating one. A devastating one indeed and that brings up to the next question regarding Ethiopia's status within the region because Ethiopia is clearly a, a very important and strategic country within the African Horn uh, and having worked in the country myself I also know Ethiopia has this ambition of becoming uh, from what I recall from five years back the Singapore of East Africa as well and, and that's obvious in all the development projects taking place in Addis mainly coming from China. But with this crisis taking place, how much is this crisis having the potential to really backfire any potential developmental progress for the country, whether this crisis were to end tomorrow or in the next few months? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, really that kind of um, any major positive uh, development um, investment uh, you know, situation is, is, is just not really on the cards at the moment. Um, I think you know, with the best will in the world, uh, you know, the, I think the federal government and its supporters and this intervention, they see this as a business of, of first finishing this conflict um, and then getting through the next phase of, of politics, sort of you know, pacifying Tigray, reestablishing federal authority there, getting to an election 
um, getting through the election, the ruling party winning a majority, and then kind of settling back into the reform agenda, you know, sort of economic liberalization measures, um, trying to uh, improve legislation, uh, boost sort of institutionalization. Um, but for now, you know, the focus was has been very political recently, very turbulent politics. Now it's turned into conflict. Um, that's a you know a huge blow for the economy um, of a of a struggling country. And, and ultimately, like I say, we have to get through this. Um, we have to get through this phase before Ethiopians can refocus um, on on their priorities, um, which is yeah development and you know, getting people out of poverty and attracting investment and building infrastructure and and all the rest of it. Which is quite national in that aspect. But then that brings me towards my last question, which is looking towards the diplomatic aspect. Again, Ethiopia is an important country within the region. And and it's clear that it's starting to have a bit of a, a diplomatic strain on the neighboring countries, particularly with the refugees that are not coming in from the Sudan. And also, uh, in regards to, the, from what I understand, the TPLF also of trying to drag in Eritrea. The question is mainly, what are the diplomatic consequences this crisis can have within the African Horn region and the developing, I'm sorry, excuse me, the neighboring countries of Ethiopia? Well, look, a lot here um, depends on, on the, the course of this, of this conflict, essentially. Um, I, you know, let's, let's, let's start with, you know, like two broad parts here. One is that the federal government claims victory and therefore the military intervention was a success. Now, my reading is that that will lead to you know, continuing political turmoil in Tigray and it will not solve all of Ethiopia's political problems by any means. But perhaps it means we don't have an escalating and spreading uh, conflict. So, uh, you know, es escalating and spreading conflict, which has all these dangerous um, ramifications of drawing in regional countries poisoning diplomatic relation um, and, and all the rest of it. Um, the other path here, which is obviously you know, more problematic in terms of that regional impact, would be that this is a protracted conflict, that the Tigrayans managed to dig in one way or the other, and that there's sort of increasing international and regional pressure on the federal government to change tack, um, but they simply are not willing to do so. Um, this you know, means that we could see um, the involvement of Eritrea. Um, the Sudanese may get very impatient about the situation. Um, again, you know, if the Ethiopian federal government gets bogged down in this Tigray conflict, that will have ramifications for its peacekeeping attempts in Somalia. Um, you know, it will be a blow to Ethiopia's um, regional role as a regional peacekeeper and, and could lead to quite fractious relations um, with its African partners if it continues to resist uh, attempts at, at mediation. Um, and then there's just the possibility of spreading conflict in Ethiopia and so refugee outflows, not just through Western Tigray into Sudan, um, but also from a bunch of other places in Ethiopia if we see, see spreading instability. So these are the dangers of a protracted conflict. Um, and as we've discussed, like there is some potential for a protracted conflict at that stage, because of the worsening effect that it could have on Ethiopia's stability, then we, it, it, there is a potential for a kind of very worrying sort of domino effect um, in terms of the sort of waves of, of instability that that, that, that sends out.
in this case, as the conflict continues to go on, it continues to really jeopardize in that aspect the potential uh, developmental and diplomatic nature for Ethiopia going forward. And obviously, with all the information that we have and which you've uttered, it's rendering it quite difficult to understand the impact this conflict can have and whether or not it will be over soon or we have something quite longer on our hands. Now, I know I said that was the last question, but I guess I give you the final word on this. Based on your understanding, what do you feel is the best solution towards bringing a more sustainable uh, resolution towards this conflict? Well, uh, ultimately, you know, Crisis Group is is listening to all sides here. And, and a very prominent voice at the moment is that you know, the Tigrayan leadership stepped out of line in an egregious and unacceptable way by attacking the military and violating the constitutional order. Now, we hear all these arguments from the government and its supporters, but our concern is about this attempt to impose military solution, you know, removing forcibly the TPLF leadership. When that TPLF leadership has a very strong hold on the regional government, but not only that, it has a lot of support from the um, from from the Tigrayan people for its core positions in this dispute. So that's why we're arguing that you know, despite the federal government um, positioning, really there needs to be a, a backtracking here from all sides to walk back to the point where there was still a political discussion going on rather than a military attempt to resolve political dispute. It's very difficult. Um, as we've discussed, the two governments have described each other as, as illegitimate. There's arrest warrants for, for TPLF leaders out. And, you know, many Ethiopians, especially in the government, do not accept um, impunity um, for the TPLF leadership. There's a lot of problems to get to that stage. But because of the potential um, for the mass destruction that we could see in Tigray, and also the, the potential for the, the wider ramifications of destabilization, then, then we, we, we still think that um, there's, a necessity, um, there's a necessity for whatever can be done to you know, get a ceasefire in place, address the constitutional dispute through talks, um, and then go on to discuss Ethiopia's broader political problems in a process that involves all of Ethiopia's political actors. And hopefully leading to sustainable peace in that aspect and ultimately to sustainable development and diplomatic engagement. As you've been highlighting, this has been a completely uh, interesting conflict to really understand, but also at the same token, very patchy with all the information that is coming in and how it changes rapidly. But it has been a pleasure having you on the Global Podcast to really enlighten us all to really understand what are the ramifications for the future and what is going on. So, William, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Okay, thank you very much. That brings us to the end of this edition of the Global Podcast. I'm Jesu Antonio Baez, Director of Pax Second Global Consultancy, which produces this series. Please do check out our website at www.paxtechnglobal.org. That's P A X T E C umglobal.org to discover more about our work. You can also follow this podcast and the work of PAX on both Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you like this podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and of course subscribe on both Spotify and Apple Podcast. Join us next week for another edition, and until next time, grazie e ci sentiamo presto. Ciao!